Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and I've got a great topical guest today. I've got Danielle Brown. Danielle is the CMO at Points. Now, imagine this, you're a marketing leader, and it's early March of 2020, you get 15 new headcount added to the already 90 headcount you have in marketing reporting up to you. So things feel like they're going well, but then all of a sudden we know what happens next. COVID hits and guess what? You are in an industry that is so closely tied to points around travel and how we get around the world. Uh, Your partners are hotels, your partners are airlines. Imagine the shift that you need to go through. And that's, that's what it means to be a CMO, to handle these situations where you're put on the hot seat in no time and have to shift strategies. And that's definitely something that we hear from Danielle today. This episode is loaded with just insight in terms of how she's been able to take the challenging times that we're in and make them work. You know, find ways where she, what I found really interesting, is able to jump from one meeting to the other with many different people reporting into her. She's got six direct reports, which have different levels of directors reporting into them and be there for them, help them understand, help them come together. And I think that's what we all need to have to figure out right now is how do we bring our teams together? This podcast is going to help you that on top of which you'll understand how Danielle's taken an interesting path from an early career with a passion of music to now a passion of travel. Without further ado, here's my convo with Danielle Brown. Hey, Danielle, thanks so much for finding time to chat with us. We're both in our homes in these times, but we're chatting about marketing as always and your journey. So you are the CMO at Points. Tell us a little bit about what that means and how you landed there. Yeah. Hey, Randy. I am uh, so excited to get this uh, different perspective on my day uh, and welcome to my home. (laughs) Um, Yes, I am the CMO at Points. So we work with the world's leading loyalty programs to build and power new ways for loyalty program members to use their favorite global airline and hotel currencies. So some of the loyalty programs that we work with are the programs for like Hilton, Marriott, Emirates, United, BA, Lufthansa. So truly a global perspective. And yeah, I'm the CMO. So I run all of partner, product marketing, analytics, brand and content, performance. And then I also have this extra added operations component where I run business operations for points, which is things like customer service and product delivery, where we integrate with our partners to make sure the products we offer work correctly. So that's a, that's a lot on one's plate, let alone the industry you're in right now and having to navigate, which everyone at home is just being like, oh my goodness, uh, it's probably going from how do we get people to use their points to how do we reassure people that they won't lose their points uh, you know, these days? But even this, the size of team that you talked about is quite large. I believe you told me that it's 45 people in marketing, another 45 people in those business operations of the 300 people at points. How is that 
today versus other roles that you've had as a CMO? I, that sounds like a large team versus I know you've had stops as CMO at companies like Hubba, uh, at companies like Nixware, which was in the consumer space. How is this one different? Yeah, so for me, it's a much larger team. And I think the difference definitely is they're two separate and distinct teams uh, made up of one team is primarily engineers, and the other team is primarily creative, also performance marketers. So the way people typically attracted to those different fields process information um, is really, really different. So you deal with individuality, you also deal with different uh, attractions of different personalities. So when uh, in managing those groups, my engineers will sometimes say, oh, I'm less productive when I context switch. My whole day is context switching. One call can be about we're having a problem with this integration. The next call could be about, hey, uh, we're having this um, we're having this brainstorming on what's this campaign that we could run for British Airways. So it's re it really keeps things super interesting. And of course, COVID times have made have added an extra layer. You can't just pop to somebody's office. You're literally like, hey, let's have a Zoom call about every single thing that we ever want to talk about. Right. With no time to reset your brain in between the two uh, contexts, as you, as you outlined there. I'm curious, you know, getting to the stage you're at, the seniority you're at in your career, what type of experiences have led you well to be able to manage a team that large? Because that's, that's a large team. I don't know how many direct reports you have in that. I'm curious on that. But uh, what was some of the things that led you to be able to handle so many cooks in the kitchen at times? Yeah. So I have six direct reports. So the direct reports are very manageable right now. And I do spend a lot of time with my direct reports. I also think it's very important to be visible to everyone on your team. So one of the positive things of COVID has been um, being able to jump in on virtual standups. I can jump in for 10 minutes on a standup with one team, drop off, jump in for 10 minutes on a standup with another team, and making sure that you have a cohesive version of leadership so that everyone can kind of hear and see you and know that you're present as a through line in that entire organization becomes really, really important. Um, one of the things that you really need to understand how to do when you manage a team that large is you need to understand and accept uh, and be thankful for the fact that most of the people who work for you are smarter than you in their areas. Um, I am not the best marketer on my team. I am definitely not the best person at operations on my team, but I understand enough about how to stitch it together. And I understand enough about what the business needs to do so that I can ask the right questions and move conversations along in order to be able to get the best out of all of my team members. It's less, it becomes way less about uh, getting things done and it becomes more about leaving space and making space for people to do their best work. I was really excited to talk to Danielle because of the world that we're in now and the role that she has to navigate as the CMO of a company that is built around travel and the world we're seeing around travel. You can only imagine the types of changes that are coming. Now, I made me wonder as well, what is to be of all the points that we've accumulated? And points, when we think about them, are really about loyalty marketing. It's a way to engage people and keep them working with us time and time again as a brand. And it makes us wonder what are the rewards that we're going to seek as individuals in this new era? 
Will it be more about ways to furnish our homes as they become our new home offices? Will there be a shift in other things that we can reward people? And especially for those who are B2B marketers, what are the things that you can reward your, your customers with? So perhaps now it's less about sending them to a big conference, and now it's more about finding new ways to give them education. We're really shifting the world we're in, and I think Danielle offers a ton of perspective to the way to keep current. When you, when you think about that and, and the challenges of the world we're in right now, uh, help, help me understand how you bring these six direct reports who then in turn probably each have five to 10 direct reports under them if I'm doing the math right. How do you unite that group right now? Um, because it's one thing when you can all jump into a room and even if one or two people are remote, but how are you syncing as a marketing leadership team? Yeah, we talk a lot. Um, we it's it's one of those things where it's so important to meet to communicate. We can we have Slack channels dedicated to our leadership team. We have layers of Slack channels for different leaderships. So I might have myself and my direct reports. Uh, who are at the VP level, then myself and the directors level. And then we have our team group chats and our split out team group chats. Um, you end up having to meet people where they are. And I think it becomes less about forcing people to report up and more about trying to make sure that I get down into where people are. So it's important for me to go into different channels, uh, pop in on calls and ask questions and understand that I'm not going to know everything. You know, uh, one of the things about managing this many people, and especially through this, uh, this type of environment is to be able to understand that a you're never going to know all the answers, there's so much going on. And if you tried to keep everything uh, within your arms, you're going to fail miserably, what you need to make sure that you do is be very clear about direction, and be very clear about what's the end point for project a where do we want to be in three months and six months and nine months, so that everybody's rowing in the same direction. And in that case, people can take their own path there, but you're going to get to the right place eventually. That's great advice. I'm, I'm curious at points or on your team specifically, are you using any sort of OKR model or uh, V2Mom? There's a lot of different structures out there to help with that goal setting to understand that that guiding point. So um, we were starting to look at how we could formalize things like that. What happened with COVID is um, a, our financial metrics went completely off offside, you know, we're in travel. Uh, and so our expectations around revenue are clearly not being met. Uh, and so having to recalibrate what success looks like, um, the last three months, we've basically been in a firefight where we're looking at our partners and our day to day contacts in certain cases have been furloughed. And you end up going, well, how am I supposed to run this promotion without the person on the other end in able to be in order to be able to talk to so I think success in this case has been less about goal setting, more about direction setting and making sure that you're clear about direction. We've also had to take a very a shorter time frame or a shorter view where we're really prioritizing, okay, our revenue in year is in jeopardy right now. What do we need to do in order to goal seek in your revenue? That's great advice. Yeah, it's it's tricky times for everyone. I think the idea is plans are just that. They are plans and we've, we've got to adjust in this moment. 
I want to shift just for a last minute or two of this segment. You know, if people pull your profile up on LinkedIn, they'll see an interesting shift throughout your career. Actually, maybe one or two. The first that I'm curious of, and we we kind of hinted at this idea that you've worked at some smaller startups and now a much larger organization, but you've also worked at some very large companies like Universal Music, um, HMV, which is for those who don't know where you used to get music, um, <laughs> and, and others like XM Radio. Those are very large organizations as well, but you shifted out of there. Why did you make the shift from music, which I assume is a passion, um, into where you are today? Look, it's really interesting. The way I got into to music was, you're right, because I loved it. And at 15, I was managing rock bands, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And really, all I was doing was making sure that my bands got beer at the end of their sets, right? And <laughs> and so the scale is a little bit different. Um, but I, you That's know, my, action, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So, so, you know, my path into music was... Um, as a as a marketer, I never went to school. I literally I moved to Toronto from Montreal at 19 to go to acting school. I've still never finished school, and it's one of those things that I've gotten past now. I really my schooling has been on the job training, and what's been really interesting to me is um, being able to jump in and immerse myself in something like the music industry was uh, such a great opportunity, and it was super fun. But at a certain point in your development, uh, I realized anyway, I was just like, I really only know one way how to mark one way to market I know how to market music and that's really like gut feel and it's you know what works and you understand your your customer but at the time there was nothing kind of it was more um subjective than objective and so somewhere around my early 30s I thought okay I want to get a little more scientific at this and I need to get smarter in marketing if I want to become a better marketer and I made the deliberate decision to leave the music industry to be able to then say okay how am I going to become a better marketer and put other things in my tool set and I I became I got really lucky I left for a startup and then and there I met one of the smartest humans I've ever met who allowed me to once that startup went under Ant Mobile work with him at SiriusXM and that's where I under started to really understand the discipline of analytics and understanding measurement and understand the theory behind moving from marketing as a cost center to marketing as a profit center and and understanding that has been able to help me progress in my career and and be able to really quantify the value that I'm able to offer to the organizations that I work with. That's great. It's a, a great turning point in your career and one that, you know, it's interesting as well. You know, I, I think sometimes we take that risk. And as you said, it didn't necessarily work out in the moment, perhaps going to Amp Mobile, but it led you down this path that, you know, has continued to, to bring you into a C-level role today. So very interesting. And we're going to dig deeper into not just the career journey you take, but the buyer journey you take. We'll do that right after a short break here on The Marketer's Journey with Danielle Brown. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. 
In chatting with Danielle and understanding how she's finding ways to jump between meetings to remain productive in this COVID world and jumping in between, jumping in and out, it made me realize that all of us are finding new ways to engage our teams and remain relevant with them. Now, one of the things that I've tried that's working really well is what I call walk and talks. Now, I'm sure like me, you're probably zoomed out. Too much Zoom, too much time, FaceTime, sitting and staring at that screen. So what I've done is with each of my marketing reports, we go on walks. Each of us are walking, we're on an old fashioned phone call, no screens are the rules, no slides, simply catching up. And it's amazing how productive we can still be in this fashion. And it also at the same time gives us a little bit of a break, a little bit of exercise and breaks up our day. There's so many ways that you can reinvent what a workday means in this new era of working. All right, Danielle, so we are back here. We're we've talked about your career and along that path, there's an interesting title that you've got. Back in, you know, 2011, you were director of conversion and winback. And I love that winback piece under SiriusXM. We can all envision that mindset that maybe we unsubscribe or we stop renewing our credit card. We got to get those customers back. I can only imagine that you're bracing for something similar in the industry you're in today, being loyalty and travel. What does that look like and how are you thinking about the buyer journey? Yeah, so right now in in travel loyalty, what's really fascinating is we we really didn't know what would happen. So we know right now that obviously people are traveling less. Um, what's been fascinating is that because of the particular segment of loyalty that we're working in, which is specifically loyalty currency, or more specifically, the ability to buy currency, what we were finding before was, okay, it was a lot more of a needs based. So you use your points, you run out of points, you're going to buy more points in order to be able to go on a trip. What we're finding right now is that people who already understand the value of the activity are actually doubling down. So if you think of your loyalty point as a currency, they are saying, wow, these are great deals. I'm going to shore up all these points and buy more points so that I can then travel at a later date because we're being successful at selling the promise of future travel and the promise of getting out of this situation and the promise of that trip you're going to take once we're all allowed out of our homes. And it's this really emotional connection for this currency-based transaction. Um, so, so, so it's been interesting to note that actually two of our best days ever at points have happened during this pandemic from a volume perspective. Yeah. That's wild. You know, it's interesting as as a consumer myself and also a business traveler, you know, I've I've been really leaning in when I am being messaged by travel companies during this time. Uh, you know, some are doing a good job, some are not. Uh, you know, some have been very quick to respond. I remember TripIt, which is an app I use for traveling, I think within like a couple of weeks of of things happening, maybe less, I had my subscription extended. You know, before any of us knew how long this would happen and others, I felt like I was waiting from say Air Canada to find out what would happen to my, my level of prestige, my elite uh, membership. How do you think you balance right now getting in front of the message versus kind of waiting for all the information? Yeah. So what we're finding right now is that the particular customer for our product 
wants to be informed. And, and, and while from an airline and hotel perspective, they have backed off some of their communications, I think rightfully so. If you were really smart about who you target, and here's where the analytics perspective comes in, you really need to do a lot of work around who is most likely to respond to this message and who is most likely to, 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 um, to appreciate this message based on their past behavior. This is, we would never advocate in this time sending out a mass offer and expecting that everyone is going to behave the same, especially for travel. There are people, um, you know, there are people losing their lives. It's, it's, it's a serious issue. And so making sure that you are really tailored in your communication and making sure that the service that you're offering is, is selling hope and selling something that someone needs and something that someone is willing to is ready to listen to right now is what you need to be really sensitive to. What's been really helpful for us to understand. Um, and we were lucky enough to pick on pick up on that very quickly through some early testing that we did. So you you hit on two areas within that answer that I'm really intrigued about. Uh, and one of them you said testing at the end, which allowed me to come back to the earlier point, which is understanding the signals, understanding the data, and knowing what to send to who. So help us understand, are, are you at a level of sophistication with the programs that you're running, both to your partners and to your partner's customers? And just to remind people what we're talking about, you may work on behalf of, I think you said Hilton, and then you've got to you know, work with Hilton to, to come up with ideas for them, but also communicate to their customers on their behalf at times. Mm-hmm. So in, in that scenario, how might you use data to determine what I get versus what my wife gets? So so in that scenario, the first thing that we're going to do is figure out, um, based on your past responses, uh, should you get something and should your wife not get something? If your wife has not been interested in the last few months or has a sp- specific pattern, we might not even... Um, waste a communication communication touch point on her. Whereas if you have been active and engaged with any of the properties, have opened emails in the pa- er, more recently, you would be more likely to open here. So that would be like our first layer of segmentation. Um, then our second layer might be previously, what's the event-based uh, behavior that you've exhibited? And is there anything that we can relate to in the current time that would say, hey, Randy is way more likely to appreciate this communication? And you end up, we depending on the partner, we end up running three, four, five different simultaneous models that will tell me, A, who to talk to, B, what offer to present, uh, C, at what rate to present that offer. Really interesting. I, I I think those who know the world you're talking about are, are probably curious how much of this is proprietary technology, given what points does, and how much of this is gluing together technologies like marketing automation, CRM. How, how do you make this these insights come to life? So I'll tell you, actually, uh, this is my second stint at points. So I've been here for six months and I was actually at points uh, three, six years ago for three years as VP of marketing. And at that time, I actually built the analytics team from scratch there. Uh, we had no data scientists. We had we didn't have a notion of uh, data-driven marketing. And the business problem we were trying to solve at the time was we had one partner saying, hey, um, you have half the amount of communications this year than we did last year. We're concerned about clogging our communication channel. And so the problem we had to solve was to say, all right, 
we have to make the same amount of money with half the amount of communications. Who are we going to target and how are we going to figure that out? And that actually became our first analytics project. And so proprietary, definitely, in that we've then started building from those response models, then offer models. And then going back to your question before, our first time in repeat, we've built different models to target first-time buyers in a certain way, repeat buyers in a certain way, buyers who haven't transacted in two years in a certain way. And um, so it's really stitched together with proprietary technology that we then use our partners' communication channels uh, and their CRM systems to push out our segmentation and models on. It sounds like you're in the right role, first of all. <laughs> um, definitely requires someone with that that uh, analytical uh, left brain mindset here. When when you think about you know building a team, which you talked about at, at the beginning of our chat today, and you think about some of the challenges that you have going forward through COVID, um, you know how much how much rearchitecting of the team or realigning of the team have you had to do to focus on a buyer journey which has a different offering in some cases. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have we have had to do a lot of rethinking. I'll, I'll um, I think a week before uh, we went on lockdown, I had gotten approval for 15 new heads. This was on my operations team, actually. And um, then we were on lockdown. We went in a hiring freeze. And what I then had to do was look at my entire organization and say, okay, where do I actually need the bodies? What skills do I have? And we're in a position right now where I have someone who was a a lifecycle marketing manager now working on my operations team as a project manager. I have five, six, seven different uh, um, uh, examples of this where I think what's going to become more and more important as you build a team is finding people who I think we're moving away from specialization and we're moving back to seeing the value in the generalist. I'm not saying you don't need subject matter expertise, but what I'm saying is with all of these changes in the world and the way we approach work, adaptability and the ability to see the world broadly and not just from your perspective becomes an imperative marketing skill. I love that. I I can't tell you how how much I'm seeing that on my own team. And I'm sure a lot of marketers themselves are being pushed out of their comfort zone who may be listening to this. And a lot of leaders are trying to figure out how they gently but uh, aggressively push their teams (laughs) into the right spot to get to get shit done. Danielle, this has been great. We're going to keep you around just for a minute or so here after a short little break. And we're going to understand how you make time uh, to clear clear your head, especially in these times, but, but anytime as a busy exec right back here on The Marketer's Journey. When Danielle talks about moving from a world of specialization to the generalist, or I think she she explains that it's not quite the pure generalist, but I couldn't agree more. I think what we're seeing in this world is a need to be adaptive as a marketer. In fact, just last week, I was going on one of my walk and talks with our event marketing manager. Now you can only imagine being an event marketer in this day and age. You know, we went from large amounts of our budgets around conferences and trade shows to all of a sudden we're all stuck in our homes, let alone in our office. And in chatting with this marketer on my team, she talked about 
this being a challenge, an opportunity to embrace more aspects of demand marketing, different ways that, that we can fill the top of the funnel to bring leads in throughout. And I think what this is going to do is put a lot of us into new roles where we have to adapt. We have to rethink our role, rethink ways we can contribute. And I think this is going to help us create a more generalist marketer yet again. All right, Danielle, we've unpacked your career, your buyer journey. The last part I'm curious of, and usually I'd be more curious because you'd probably have so many points you could go anywhere in the world you'd want, because uh, I'm sure you know how to buy this currency. But how do you make time for a break as a busy C-level exec? Um, I am uh, huge about vacations. I love vacations. I take all of my vacation every year. I think it's important as a marketer. Uh, I think it's important to live as a consumer. I'm a huge consumer. I like to turn off my work brain and look around and see what resonates with me. And when I'm off work, I'm off work. Um, and I try to encourage my teams to do exactly that. Uh, I'm taking next week off. I can't go anywhere, but I'm really excited about it. And I'm actually mm -hmm. going to take every Friday off in the summer just to just experience things. If I go for a walk, if I look around, if I change my perspective, yes, I'm going to miss traveling. Um, we're lucky enough to have a few offices all over the world at points. And so my normal mode of operation is I'll book a meeting in one of the offices and then extend and use that right. as a jumping off point. Now, for now, my apartment will be a jumping off point. And uh, yeah, I plan <laughs> on enjoying that's great advice. Yeah, I, I think that's the right way to look at it right now. And as you said, always, I mean, vacation keeps our brain healthy. Uh, you know, you're, you're fortunate to be working in a place that I'm sure it's built into the core values at points uh, to use your time off and, and embrace it. Uh, and uh, I, I hope when, when you have those 15 heads open again, uh, people will reach out to you realizing maybe it's a good life balance uh, with everything we're realizing in our world today. Danielle, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for taking time to share your journey. Uh, for those who have listened in to Danielle's story, definitely tune in. We've got so many other great marketers who have shown how they got to their leadership opportunity. Check it out on Spotify, on Stitchers, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere where you get your podcasts, and especially where you can give us some feedback, please do so. Until next time, this is The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, at uberflip.com slash podcast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.